0: South
1: of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. You know, I don't know if it was just me, but I totally forgot Stanley Johnson was on this team. Who knew? Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are parts of the stadium scene dot TV network. Yeah, I had to look at a picture of the team practicing and I'm like, oh yeah, Stanley Johnson. So thing, Okay. Uh, anyways, joining me tonight to discuss all things Toronto Raptors is the man of many words, the wordsmith himself, Mr. Lier Kozai. Man, what is going on? Welcome back to the show.
0: All right, thank you for that kind introduction. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. That's like the seems to be the qualifier for everyone right now.
1: <laughs> That's true. Hey, look. Did you know, did you remember Stanley Johnson was on this team or am am I alone with this? Oh
0: man, Uh, (laughs) it feels like, (laughs) feels like forever ago I was at the Christmas game against the Celtics and Stanley Johnson came out in the final minute and I just remember feeling (laughs) so bad for him just in this like 20 point blowout Um, and that feels (laughs) like it was 10 years ago. So (laughs) yeah, uh, to answer your question, I did not remember
1: (laughs) Okay, so I'm not alone. This is what I'm saying. I'm seeing all these <laughs> pictures of, of the team, and I'm just like, all right, Gasol looks like a new person. Uh, Fred Art? Van Vliet finally <laughs> trimmed his beard, so he looks more like Fred Van Vliet. I still haven't seen Lowry, really. I don't know if I missed a lot of his, uh, his workouts. I know Nick Nurse said he was working out in the morning. But everybody just, Chris Boucher is jacked now? What happened?
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw one uh, one picture of Lowry getting off the bus, actually. Okay, um, so he's there. Just coming into, yeah, so they just came into the bubble off the bus. I like the bus, right?
1: Dude, did you see the, the open gym S clip, the minute clip on Twitter? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, man, it's, it's them rolling up in the Ooh. bus. And how can you not love this team? after seeing that bus first of all like the social message is is beautiful the the black lives matter uh, in toronto raptors font gorgeous and and you gotta credit their their media staff and their their pr staff i know it's more than just a pr issue obviously but when you have the raptors flair to it for me it's like yes yes that is how you do it great job i was just so inspired by that
0: yeah absolutely and i feel like there's kind of been some speculation that the Raptors will do like something extra. I don't know what it would be, but like just something for the black lives matter movement. Um, And like, we've seen a couple of players like donate their salaries, I think like Mm. Patty Mills to um, black lives matter causes in Australia. And like, I fully supported it. And it was, yeah, like you said, it was really cool just seeing them like put their own brand into it and like say like this is what we stand for and like you're either with it or like we don't want you as a fan basically Basically. and uh yeah and i like that
1: it's uh it's one of those things that when you are without this team it sort of feels like an off season and we're watching them going to summer league or something it's so strange that we're having this sense of renewal for the nba season Mm -hmm. you sort of touched on it when you said the christmas day game felt like eons ago and here we are talking about a season that's going to resume for eight games or we're heading into the playoffs. Um, I think this is something we're going to have to get used to, right? I think this is something, because the season is going to resume and knock on desk, if it you know, finishes the way they have outlined, um, I think the the way they're going to go about starting the season in late December, I think that's going to be the new normal. So having playoff basketball bleed into sort of September is kind of, it's going to be new gonna be a new feeling
0: yeah it's definitely gonna be weird like no matter what happens no matter what like even though they kept the format like seven game series in every round like it's gonna be weird and there's no home court and it's just no matter what like you can't avoid the fact that this isn't like a normal playoffs but um like it's it's what it is what it is at this point and like i'm like not totally sold on the bubble like i i'm a little uneasy i guess about the like the disney staffers being able to come in and out and um and kind of that aspect and the fact that like florida is such a hot spot for the virus right now but like at the same time like just seeing those pictures and like seeing that video i'm gonna watch it right after this podcast like it gets you excited again and it definitely does have that like training camp feel and like this it's all getting ramped up again the nurse bringing his guitar on the road like (laughs) we got we just got like it's like getting the band back together right and like i really love this edition of the Raptors, I thought they just played with a lot of heart, like as a regular season team, you don't regularly, you don't normally see a regular season team play that hard. And it was such a joy to watch. So I'm really excited to see um, how they come out and what happens in the next couple of months, I guess.
1: Well, let's unpack there. But before we do, I just want to get some house cleaning out of the way and then we can certainly dive a little deeper into it Um So first of all, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. And if you're one of our recurring guests, welcome back. But if you haven't already, I hope this episode sort of encourages you to subscribe to, to us. Whether you consume your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, we are there. And if your podcast platform has some sort of rating system, specifically Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you can just leave us five stars. And a quick review it really helps us a lot and also if you want to hit up our socials we're on twitter instagram facebook all at south of the six remember six and south of the six is spelled the number six and the letters i x it's a ton twister but you know if you have a rewind button and you get confused well it's there uh we love interacting with fellow nba fans and specifically toronto raptors fans on all platforms so feel free to follow us on any or all of them and i promise you i'll be interactive and lastly if you dig what you hear in this episode we hope it's enough to spread the podcast via word of mouth if you find yourself talking about sports coming back or the toronto raptor season more specifically resuming to a friend, a family member, coworker, whatever, let them know about the South of the Six podcast. Really, word of mouth—it's so punk rock, it's so underground, and it's crucial to success for podcasts. So please, if you have the time and you find yourself conversing with someone about the Toronto Raptors, we'd love it if you can mention not only this specific episode but the show itself. We thank you for your support as always, and remember, we are part of the stadium scene. Dot tv network so let's get this going you touched on it leora you open the door the raptors are fully healthy or should i say they're virus free as of right now <laughs> as they made their trip to naples to orlando today for training camp again if you guys haven't seen that little one minute open gym clip on the official twitter of the toronto raptors i encourage you to do so the team has gotten off to, with a head start in the bubble of sorts, or rather, they're familiar with the bubble life. They had a little preview of it for a short period of time in Naples. This topic has been touched on quite a bit on the show, and there's plenty of differing opinions on the Twitter sphere. But like I said, you touched on it. How are you feeling about the bubble? This is it. We're, this is the last show before <laughs> the bubble actually is, you know, a thing, a real thing. We're going to get a taste for how they're going to handle it. So, how do you feel? about bubble life specifically for the Toronto Raptors? <laughs> um, I feel like
0: I, I have like mixed feelings, I guess. Like I said, like I'm really excited to see basketball again. I'm excited to see the Raptors. And like, I know that like my opinion is not, my personal opinion is not going to affect the NBA's decision to do this. So like, it doesn't matter like whether I'm like a little uneasy about, um about the health effects. Like I don't, I don't, like, I don't love how, um, how they're doing it in Florida of all places. Um, but at the same time, like epidemiologists did say like that the NBA, they were impressed with like the NBA's protocols and the NBA really went like to the furthest extent to make sure that like, this is as safe as they can be. Um, like I said, the Disney workers aspect of it is a little, um, it's a little troubling. I'm just really hoping it works out and I'm hoping like as few players as possible get the virus, if any. Um, And of course, like I'm hoping that we get like an entertaining playoffs and these players can like go and get the rest of their salaries and hopefully have a really competitive playoffs. Just at the end of the day, like the players, like I think most of the players, especially like the lower salaried players do want to play and like, they're really competitive. I don't know if it's the best idea for them to do it, but like, at least, like they went through the NBA really went through like extensive protocols to like do their best to protect them. Um, if if they had done it elsewhere other than Florida, like I'd feel better about it. But like at least they went like to the furthest extent that they could to do it, um, despite it being in Florida.
1: Yeah, and you know when they developed these plans for bubble life and when they outlined everything in their defense. Florida wasn't nearly as much of a shit show as it is right now, right? The, the casers weren't in the, the, I don't know, 10,000s a day, something here and there. Um, it definitely seems like a scary place to be. And I can understand the apprehension when it comes to NBA players as to, you know, I'm leaving my family potentially until, you know, late September or something, maybe October even. Um, it, it, it's a heavy thing to deal with. And I can only sympathize. In terms of a family aspect with the players, I totally understand mm-hmm. how this can be difficult. But, you know, I I don't know if this is me just looking at it in terms of an ethical lens when I ought not to be. Um, there's a lot of introspection that some, as a fan, that we need to undergo when it comes to how we feel about this uh, this NBA season resuming. Um Yes, we want what's best for our players, and yes, at the same time, we want basketball to come back. But at what cost? But at the same time, I, I, you know, looking at the discourse that has been going on on Twitter and seeing some of the responses, I have to admit, I'm not a doctor. I and and you touched on it, like specialists definitely know way more than I do, not just about the subject, but in life in general, let's face it. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I I have to admit that I'm sort of the layman when it comes to this. So am I in a position to really put my two cents into how I feel about this when really I'm just sort of a, a nothing burger here when it comes to an opinion? <laughs> like I'm just an, a sports analyst in an independent podcast platform. I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to the virus and the safety of it. So I guess this is a long-winded way of saying should we trust the process here?
0: Yeah, like I'm I'm 100% sure like the NBA didn't just go into this blindly and say like, okay, we're going to do this. We need to make money. Like obviously that's the end goal. I think it was a little disingenuous when Silver was like, "Oh, we want to provide a distraction because at the end of the day, what the NBA wants to do is make money." But yeah. they did 100% they consulted with like epidemiologists. They talk to them and they planned it as carefully as they could um i don't want to like say that i'm thrilled about it like just the way just the idea of like putting players in a bubble like you said like away from their families um but i hope like the nba had some like protocols or like resources for players mental health and um just stuff like that, where, like, that aspect of being separate from their families for at least, like, I think it was the first 45 days before Mm -hmm. they can bring, like, one or two people for each player. Um, So hopefully they can, like, provide the players with, like, the resources they need and just, like, allow them to maintain that aspect, like, the mental health aspect. Um, Especially, like, just, just given the circumstances already, like, the whole just the whole pandemic like i'm sure has affected a lot of people and um especially like if these guys feel like they need this money like they they have the financial pressure um i don't blame them for like wanting to play and wanting to go and finish the season but i don't blame a player for not wanting to go either and like i'm not mad at any of the players who have chosen to side out like the bradley beals or bertans someone like that
1: oh of course no and in fact i I, I sort of applaud them for, for taking that step and, and noticing, at least in their circumstances, I'm not saying this is all-encompassing, but at least in their circumstances, they know for them that their health and well-being, not just in terms of their career and the risk that they may take for, let's face it, in terms of like someone like Bradley Beal. Yeah, he's he's pretty well-paid and he's in a good position when it comes to the Wizards, I'm sure, but... You know, I don't know that those games are necessarily meaningful. And that's not necessarily like shitting on him. It's just, let's face it, the Wizards aren't going to make it far in the playoffs if they get there <laughs> at all, right? Even if they make it. So I applaud those players that look at the circumstances, examine their situations, and say, eh, I don't know if this is necessarily worth it. Um, it when it comes to other individual players, though, and I only worry about this because obviously there's ties to the Raptors and he's always going to be beloved in Toronto Raptors fandom. Uh, I worry about Tamar. It's, it's very well documented that he has, uh, he's had, or maybe still has, I, I don't know how you know prevalent it is today, but he's, he's battled mental health issues and depression and whatnot. And I'm sure this could exacerbate that more if, as you mentioned, they don't have mental health professionals there to sort of help players when in, in times of need. And so I do hope there are resources, like you said, available for them during this time. I think it's very important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think like Adam Silver talked about it at, um, I think, the Sloan Conference a year or two ago. And I think like, so the NBA is obviously aware of this to some extent. So I hope they, um, I hope they give the players like those kind of resources and make it like as easy as possible for them to like at least have that um that connection just someone like outside the team to um to still be able to talk to and just like enjoy themselves or at least like have some semblance of a normal life outside of the games because um because i think that's it's just important and it's important to like this has kind of been like the last few years um kind of a time when people have Started to realize like players are people and they're not just um they're not just these like celebrity stars who go and like entertain us like they're mm-hmm. people too and they need like regular like human connections and regular like human things and like just because you don't like how a player plays or you don't like like what team he chose him for agency like it's still important to um to allow these players like the same. Um, I guess, empathy that you would give anyone else.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, hopefully there's, uh, as we mentioned, hopefully there is some sort of action or call to action for this. Um, I have no doubt that there will be. Um, Obviously, I don't know how they're going to handle this, but Adam Silver seems like a pretty forward thinker when it comes to these sort of issues. And he's, at the very least, open to hearing some suggestions on how to handle things. Maybe if this is something that he hasn't thought of, I have no doubt that maybe players have reached out to him, or the representation has reached out to him, and there's if that has happened, I don't see Adam Silver being like, oh, you know, that's really expensive. I don't, I don't think we could do that. <laughs> I think he'd be all for it, and I and I think that he he knows the the value in it, or at least I'd like to think so. Um, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> but when it comes to things that aren't intangible, so the tangible things like uh, the lack of home court advantage, um, maybe not being in a in a routine that you necessarily would be in a playoff atmosphere or even the final stretch of the season atmosphere, does that concern you when it comes to the Toronto Raptors? Because look, we're going to outline the schedule in a little bit. Um, the two seed is pretty important when it comes to the Raptors securing it. So the intangibles when it comes to not having home court advantage, but the tangibles of not having a crowd there, do you think any of these things are going to impact play?
0: Hmm um yeah definitely like to some extent and the question i guess is how much um but like i think it's interesting how kind of in that second round matchup like you're probably assuming the raptors make it past the first round like mm. you're probably facing the celtics either way in the second round whether you're two or three um that like the seating affects the first round matchup which could be really important too but uh just having that like advantage i guess neutralized um in the sense of like that second round game seven at home if it comes to that i think is really important because we saw last year like even in that philly series it was that close and the Raptors really struggled on the road in that series obviously they have a different team um but some of the same core guys and i think they're a lot better at home um and just not having that game seven is kind of a disadvantage but with that said, if they can get by a team like Boston and meet Milwaukee in the conference finals, then suddenly there's no home court advantage for the Bucs either. So right. maybe that kind of um closes the gap a little bit. I still think like the Bucs are the favorite to come out of the East at the very least. So like I wouldn't expect the Raptors to like I wouldn't expect the Raptors to win that series, but I think that does close the gap a little bit, at least. Uh just not having to go against the Bucks in Milwaukee four times out of seven. So, um, yeah, like it, it can play in their favor in some situations, but like at least to start, like the first two rounds of the playoffs, I do think like it does suck that they're not able to get that home court that we know is one of the best in the league.
1: Yeah, could you imagine uh, the shot without a crowd? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's still going in, but could you imagine <laughs> just not having the Toronto crowd erupt like that? Or like it's—it's it's funny because wonder... the, the, the 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 silence on the bounce on the rim would still be there, but the aftermath oh, would be man. like just at-home screams. You know what I mean? Yeah, like
0: I—I I guess like I want to see someone Photoshop that photo first of all. <laughs> it's just like it's just Jordan Lloyd and Kawhi with like a totally empty background, right? <laughs> But like I've been watching um, the basketball tournament a little bit, the one on ESPN and TSN here in Canada mm-hmm. um, for I think it's a one million dollar prize. Um, and it's it's actually been interesting, like they covered up all the walls um, or they covered up. I think it's like in a big arena. I think it's at Ohio State, um, but they covered up like the seats. So you can't see that it's a big arena and it looks like a small gym. Um, and the players' reactions on the bench have been, like, excited. You can hear them screaming, kind of, um, like, they're censoring the swear words. But other than that, like, you get, you get a sense of excitement. It's kind of like an AAU tournament. But, like, it's obviously not the same as, like, a 20,000-person crowd. I don't think it's, like, you're never going to get that advantage because it's, like, each team has, like, 7 to 10 players on the bench. So, like, it's, it's going to be weird. And especially for those exciting moments, the game winners stuff like that like it's not gonna feel the same remotely but like it will be at least interesting um just to see such a drastic change from the usual right
1: yeah and you know i don't we were just talking about adam silver and being sort of uh forward thinking it wouldn't surprise me if something was done to sort of replicate crowd noise um Mm -hmm. and he's not blind to how NBA fans are and how they behave. And I don't mean that in a negative context. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, if, say, it's a Raptors quote-unquote away game, uh, take the first game of the season, it's a home game, rather, against the Lakers, right? It wouldn't surprise me if they piped in booze when LeBron has the ball. Just to to recreate that home (laughs) atmosphere, you know? Like, to recreate that, to sort of say, hey, we understand that there's some sort of edge, whether immeasurable or not, when it comes to having your home crowd here and i'm sure noise does factor in the percentage of which i'm not necessarily sure i don't know again how you measure that but we know it's a thing we know it helps drive you so we're going to we're going to put this in there i think that would be really cool um also again if nba wants to make money uh, or you know make up for lost you know dividends here what would be really cool is if they had you can purchase an uncensored version <laughs> yeah right i'd buy it
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people have proposed this and, like, the NBA is just not going to do it because they know, like, someone will, like, screen record or whatever. Someone will find a way to, like, save all this footage and just put it out, like, publicly and then, like, get around it. And, like, the NBA doesn't want everyone to see how much the players swear in game. But, like, it's, it's sports. Like, everyone... Everyone is swearing all the time at every level. But, like, I think it it would be fun at least to get, like, a little bit of inside stuff, like, maybe not, like, so explicit, but, like, just to see what players are saying to each other. I mean, even the way players communicate on defense and stuff, like, just the way they call screens and switches and everything, like, it's interesting, kind of, when you can hear, at least if you're, like, up close at a game or something like that, like, you can hear like which players are the most vocal um and kind of that like aspect of the game that you don't normally hear so i'm not sure i'd want like the pumped in crowd noise like i saw a little bit of the german soccer games where they were doing that mm. and it was okay like it it sounded like a normal crowd so like <laughs> i mean i don't watch much soccer but like i you could kind of it sounded similar to a normal crowd i think um it's just like i don't know i kind of like the idea of making it different and letting it just have like the natural sound at least like to whatever extent doesn't have to be censored
1: yeah kind of like going to a gym and watching a pickup game Mm. that's pretty intense there's some sort of (laughs) there's some sort of magic about that though really like there's some there's a relatability that i think fans would appreciate if if that could happen And, and more to your point um that's a really good learning tool if you can hear uh the way they communicate on the floor, especially for the young, uh, young people that are playing the sport that are like sort of learning it and they can adapt that into their mentality Like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I never thought to call this out or whatever. I think that'd be a really, really good learning tool um, for people. And again, that adds to the value of having sort of uh, mic'd up players. I think that'd be great.
0: Yeah, it would be like a lot better than just like those little... TNT segments where they like they have the coach in the huddle and then he's just like guys we need to play harder on defense. Like, <laughs> like they never show anything in those segments. So like to give a little more than that I think would be pretty cool. And um, Yeah, I think people will be watching either way, but like maybe a little like extra pay-per-view thing like extra Tell inside it. the game thing or just like Just in addition to the normal broadcast
1: Let's get into it. So, the Raptors start their season Saturday, August 1st, against the Lakers. As I mentioned, they have eight games to secure that two seed. Now, admittedly, the Raptors' schedule is a little bit tougher than the Celtics. And if you really want to split hairs and say, I don't know, man, they're sort of coming in with the same rust, that's fine. But at least the bottom half of the Celtics' schedule is pretty easy when they start to get into game rhythm. So, this might be. A really tough test for the Raptors, and I'm specifically eyeing this Friday, August 7th game against the Celtics as a legitimate <laughs> game that is a must win, but let's not jump the gun here. Saturday, August 1st, Lakers, 8: 30 pm. you can you can talk about it, you can predict it. How do you what are you looking for when it comes to the Raptors? Are you expecting rust? Are you expecting more of a hey, they beat them with a depleted team earlier mm. in the season? Maybe they can recreate some of that magic with, you know, in dire straits here without the crowds and whatnot. What are you looking for? And what do you think the outcome will be?
0: Um, I definitely expect Russ from both teams. Um, yeah, like I I marked it as more likely than not a loss just because I think the Lakers were kind of in a rhythm and like they were better. At this point in the season, like when the season stopped, then they were early in the season when the Raptors kind of caught them in like such a weird but amazing game where yeah. Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, and Ron Hollis Jefferson kind of went off on them. Um, I think like more likely it's a loss, but I don't really know how they're going to come out. Like, I just think if we're assuming a lot of rust, which I think there will be, like I think it could really be a toss-up and just this ugly kind of game. And maybe that favors the Raptors just because they're like the better defensive team. They've been number two in defensive rating all year and just like really like have a lot of defenders to throw at LeBron and at Davis in the front court. Um, so I don't really know if I have a prediction for it. Like I'm kind of split, but yeah, I think it's like I think it's going to be an ugly game. Like it's not the high quality Raptors Lakers like finals contenders or like top two teams in the conference kind of game that you would expect at least in a normal season.
1: Yeah, shout out to to Peter K of Life and Repeat for saying the following: that defense travels right. So defense travels mm-hmm. well no matter where you are. That they you're right. The Raptors are a very, very good defensive squad, but I think this is going to be a bittersweet game. Uh, the bitterness is, I'm calling this a loss. Like, I, I'm not blind to the fact that we're facing a Lakers squad. that, and, and I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure LeBron and a couple of teammates have been practicing during the early stages of the pandemic. Um, I just think he had that sort of clout. Or at least he was still training. Uh, at yeah, At the yeah. very least. Definitely had some videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... I think the sweet part though is be like, hey, we got basketball back, right? So it doesn't matter if they <laughs> if they lost this game. Like I just wanted to see sports at that point, so people are going to be thirsty for it. And you're right, maybe added to the bitterness of it all, it's going to be a really weird game. Like I, I do think court yeah. rust is a thing, and getting back in game shape is a thing. And I don't, do you know how many preseason quote unquote games they're going to have before they I jump believe,
0: into this? I think it's three. I think the first one is the 24th versus the Houston Rockets. So two weeks and two weeks from when this podcast will come out, actually.
1: Yeah. It's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough for me to be yeah. confident. Um, and I wouldn't be um, surprised if they won. I just think it's going to be a loss.
0: Yeah. And I think like it's, it might even be good to get like that game out of the way early, just mm. to like, if you're going to be rusty either way, like we assume like, especially on offense where like just, a lot of miscommunications can happen with passing and especially shooting, just the shooting rust always seems to be there after those long layoffs. Like that would be a good game to get the loss out of the way before um, they kind of get their chemistry back get their, uh, get the rust off.
1: Well, uh, maybe just add some more salt in the wound. Uh, Monday, August 3rd, the one thirty game, quote unquote, the Heat, whereas I, I let's face it, the Heat and the Magic have home court throughout this entire motherfucker. Right? Let's let's just be honest. Um one thirty on a Monday, I'm still calling that a loss. The Heat have been strong this year. I, I just think the the Raptors will still be trying to get back into that groove. What say ye?
0: I don't know. I I feel like it's another toss up like also lean towards a loss, but like I think they will play better at least than they did in the previous matchups. Like Miami really like Part of it was that Miami played really good defense, especially on Pascal, Mm. um, just in that tough Bam matchup. But I think like the Raptors, I think that he played a lot of zone against them, right? Um, If I recall in those games, like, again, it was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a lot of zone defense. Um, I think the Raptors, one of those games, they missed like 33s. They Mm. shot really poorly. And the other one was like an overtime loss, I think it was Lowry's first game back from one of those injuries he had. So it was like, like, I don't think those will be, I don't think it will be as bad as those games, but again, like not, um, I wouldn't like, I would put it down as a loss. Like if I have to pick.
1: So we're, we're in agreement with her. And again, it's a, it's a one thirty mm-hmm. Monday game. So I'm going to have to be, putting that on Oof. my second computer screen at work and pretend I'm working. That's just, that's the breaks. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, But hey, th- let, let's let's brighten up the spirits. Wednesday, August 5th at Orlando, which again, every game is at Orlando. Uh, it's an 8 o'clock game. I got this as a dub. I don't even think it's a debate. I, I, come on. I think no, it's a We it's a give game. a on. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Friday, August 7th versus the Celtics. It's a Friday night, 9 o'clock game. This is crucial. I'm going to let you take the floor with this one. I'm
0: going with a win. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I think, I think, yeah, I think the Raptors, like it's always interesting with the Celtics. I think that's one game where home court definitely matters, even though like this was the year um, Toronto, like the Raptors won in Boston and the Celtics won one in Toronto. But like, I think fully healthy, the Raptors like this matchup. Um, Like I think Pascal, kind of gets his way against like the Celtics usually play like the three or four wings and just like throw one of them on Pascal I think he can get his and then if the team's still fully healthy like if we don't have any random like quick injuries which seem to happen every other game this season um yeah just like having the size advantage with Mark and Ibaka having Norman Powell come off the bench like Norman Powell never seems to have rust right (laughs) there's one guy Just coming off injuries and scoring like 25 points a game every time. (laughs) Seemingly getting better after every injury this season. Um, (laughs) So I just feel like, I feel like if you throw, like, they just have a lot of, um, just a lot of punch against the Celtics. Like, they always seem to get up for those games. So um, I'll give it a W.
1: I am too. And I think the only time that they faced them fully healthy was in the beginning of the season. Because I know on Christmas Day, Pascal Siakam didn't play. And I also don't think he played on the 28th the the game after um, that. Yeah, I
0: think you're right. Yeah.
1: And even if he did, I don't think Gasol was active at that point either. So they only played them fully healthy once in which they lost. And it was, but now yeah. everyone's rested and it's sort of again maybe yeah. rhythm is still going to be a thing, but I'm confident they can do this.
0: And I think Pascal had like had like 35 points in that game. Yes, he was a monster. It was like yeah, yeah it was really early in the season, but yeah, yeah, he had 33 and and five and five threes, yeah. That was when we were kind of seeing Pascal for the first time like step mm. above break for the threes. Um yeah, like I think fully healthy like like I don't I don't think the Celtics are an easy matchup by any means, but like I do like the Raptors' size against them and I think the Raptors are like just as switchable as Boston defensively so they can kind of handle those guards and Kemba and just having Hayward, Tatum. like The Celtics have a lot of options, but the Raptors kind of have a counter to everyone. So I do like that. Um, And I think that's, yeah, like you said, that's the biggest game on the schedule because Boston right now is three games back. And I think if the Raptors win that one, then they hold on to the two seed. That's probably like what it's going to come down to.
1: It is the tiebreaker because if the Raptors do lose this, that means the Celtics won three out of four against the Raptors. So this is crazy. Crucial. And when it comes to crunch time games, especially, I know how much weight can you give to a regular season game? I totally get it. But we've seen this team battle back with their backs against the wall. Look at Dallas, that game versus Dallas. That was amazing. And again, it was just a regular season game. But mm-hmm. when it comes to a game that matters, even though this is quote-unquote a regular season game, this is for all the marbles, right? Especially when it comes to the weight of the two seed. So in that aspect, I do think that the Raptors are going to pretty much come out with, you know, guns blazing here, and I do think they'll take this. So for me and and for you as well, that's two wins in a row moving on to Sunday, August 9th, against the Grizzlies. I'm making that three games in a row that they win. What about you? Um oh I just wanted to
0: touch on for the Celtics yeah, um sure. for the Celtics game, like like you said, Boston's schedule um like Boston's schedule's a lot easier than Toronto's. Mm-hmm. And like um Jacob Goldstein from, I think, from Nylon Calculus. Um, he's kind of a stats guy. He did the strength of schedule for these eight games. And Boston has the third easiest. The Raptors have the second hardest behind <laughs> only Miami. So it's really that much of a difference um, just as it looks on paper. So, yeah, like definitely a big game just because Boston might be able to roll through that schedule. But yeah, like you said, we both have two and two at this point. Um, and then moving on to the Memphis game, I'm also going with the W there.
1: Kind of like the magic game. Kind of like, eh, (laughs) it's a win. Move on.
0: Like the Grizzlies are good, but like they're a good young team. I just think like they're not at the Raptors level. Like I don't think we have to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The (laughs) only cool thing was it is if they both wear their throwbacks. I think that'd be dope. Oh yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Just for the
0: pictures alone. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um Monday August 10th at the Bucks 630 game. I think you kind of touched on it earlier. I'm I'm calling this an L. Sorry. Like I know that might hurt a lot of Raptors fans out there, but I I'm, do think the Bucks are the superior team.
0: I I actually have a zag here. I'm going to okay. go with a W cuz cuz I think at this point the Bucks will have already clinched number 1.
1: Oh, so they're going to rest then, people.
0: Yeah, and then if they have the one seed, like why even risk an injury like I'll, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I think it might be a risk of a lot of guys getting injured just going straight into, like, almost playoff basketball right after being, like, basically inactive. I mean, some players were working out and stuff, but, like, just having a big break and then going straight into high-level basketball I think will be tough. So, like, I don't think they want to risk any more injuries. And I think they're six or six and a half games out of the Raptors at this point. Mm. So if they're that far ahead, like why even, um, and they'll probably clinch by the time we get to the fifth game on the schedule. So then like, why even risk the injuries? Or even if they do play their starters, maybe they play them like 20 minutes each. So then, yeah, like I think the Raptors can capitalize on that.
1: Well, if they do, okay. And if the schedule plays out, as we said, minus this, you know, discrepancy, if the Raptors win four in a row, and the Celtics, mm-hmm. assuming, lose the first game against the Bucks, I think that's enough to clinch the two.
0: Yeah, that should be. Because yeah. then they'd have the tiebreaker, too.
1: So then, like... There's only two games left. Mm-hmm. So they, they've they won four straight. But I guess, you know, for the sake of clarity, we should just move on. I get to just preview the yeah. rest of it. Assume <laughs>
0: they have a couple losses, a yeah. couple more losses than we expect.
1: Wednesday, August 12th at 76ers. A lot of people love the 76ers still. I don't get it. I'm still calling this a win. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I go with a win. And I'm interested to see, like, uh, speaking of home court again, like, what happens with the Sixers? Because mm. they were, like, the best team in NBA history at home. <laughs> or they were, like, 29-2 and two at home. Like, basically, like, championship level. And then on the road, they were a complete, like, they were worse than the Knicks. They were ten and twenty-four and just like a complete mess. So I'm what? curious to see how it affects them. Hmm?
1: Worse than the Knicks? Oh, that's yeah. so bad.
0: Yeah, they were they were awful. And like we saw it we saw it in Toronto twice, right? The Raptors like killed them, yeah. um, at least in one of those games and won both of them. Um and Marcus Soule is just the foil for Joel Embiid. He's basically been the answer for him. Um and like I don't know. The Raptors are just really comfortable in that matchup. So I would go with a win in that one. um, If the Raptors still like need the win and go for it.
1: Well, that sets up the last game nicely. It's Friday, August 14th against the Nuggets. It depends on where the Raptors are at. Now, if the Nuggets have sort of clinched where they're at and the Raptors have not, I'm calling this an easy W. If the both teams are sort of battling for their placement, I'm going to still call this a W because... Look, I know the the last game against the Nuggets. Now the Nuggets game was the game before Utah when they shut it down, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And I n- remember OG had an amazing game. Um, yeah, career uh, high like points, career high steals. Like he was all over the place. Did Gasol play that game?
0: No, this was. I think Gasol and Serge were out for this one. But
1: he played um, against Utah.
0: Um, uh, did he play against Utah?
1: I think he did. I think that was his first game back. Hmm. I could be wrong. Maybe. I don't know.
0: Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, like that was, I remember that game as just the Raptors could not get a rebound to save yes. their lives. And yes. like, can you blame them against Jokic, like a 270 pound or whatever? It is? Yeah. Um, so Gasol played the Sacramento game. That's what it uh, was. Um, okay. It was like shortly after the Denver game. And Got then it. that was the game before Utah.
1: Got it. Uh, okay.
0: But yeah, like without Gasol, like that Jokic matchup is a nightmare, um, and the Raptors were just just could not handle anything inside. But like if you have Gasol in that matchup, and like assuming both teams are fighting for position, I'm with you that the Raptors will win. Um, but like if they win, if they win like something close to what we projected, especially that Celtics game, then like they probably won't need this win. Whereas the Nuggets, I think, will probably still be battling for position either way. Right, so,
1: right. Yeah, I would say so that it, if the Raptors yeah. clinched the two, that this is definitely a loss. Like, they're not going to play.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the Malcolm Miller, Rondé Halls, Jefferson lineups have been pretty good this season. So, <laughs>
1: so <laughs> I'm
0: not counting them out. I mean...
1: <laughs> well, we can't play Patrick McCaw because apparently he's precious cargo right, for playoffs. So
0: oh yeah gotta say patrick mccaw game two adjustments get him in the starting lineup oh, after you God. lose game one
1: careful <laughs> as careful. <is> tradition <laughs> careful people people think this is legitimate All right, so let's <laughs> let's break this down. Like we said, the Raptors have the second most difficult schedule, you said, whereas the Celtics have one of the easiest. You said the third easiest. Third um, easiest. As we said, the name of the game is to clinch that two seed. The Raptors, as we mentioned, three games up over the Celtics. Now, for what it's worth, the Ringer ran 2,500 simulations for the eight-game season and had the mm-hmm. Raptors finishing at the two seed 87 percent of the time are you buying into that percentage
0: yeah I think so I think three games like in an eight game schedule is a lot like no matter how hard or easy the schedule is when we're talking about like two really good teams I think like I'd expect both the Raptors and the Celtics to go over 500 but at the end of the day it's just like too much to catch at this point so yeah I think I'd expect the Raptors to clinch two, and I'd be surprised if they don't.
1: Well, the reason why the two seed is is so important, and we should also note that right now the Heat are only two and a half behind the Celtics. Right, mm-hmm. So there, there's a scenario in which the Heat get the three seed if things go really bad for the Celtics. I don't see that happening, but it, it's possible. Um, but right now, the two seed will most likely face the Nets or the Magic, and with the depleted squad of the Nets, it's looking more <laughs> like the Magic. Um, and the three seed will likely face the Heat, the Pacers, and the 76ers. Now, I'm not really scared of the Pacers, given the fact that they, too, have sort of a depleted roster. 76ers, I'm not worried about because, hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Heat, I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't... I don't... I I don't think they're going to finish that low. So maybe the 76ers?
0: Yeah, I think I would expect it to be the Pacers just because, like, Simmons is back for the Sixers, and they actually have the second easiest schedule in the league. Okay. Um, But the Pacers have the fourth easiest. So, like, maybe maybe they both win, like, win out or win most of their games and, like, hang in kind of the same spot. But, like, they're both tied right now, and I think they have – Two matchups left the Sixers and Pacers. If you,
1: if the Raptors finished as a three seed, obviously you would want to face the Pacers over the Sixers. Just, I think that's an easier matchup.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like with Oladipo, like they didn't play well with Oladipo this year. Um, but I was kind of mentioning on the Shoot Your Shot podcast the other day. Uh, shout out to them from Raptors Twitter. Um, like the, sorry, the, just the Pacers, like, it's not that Oladipo made them better this season, but, like, I think their ceiling is raised a lot by Oladipo at his mm. best. And if since Oladipo's sitting out, um, Jeremy Lamb, who tore his ACL in a game against the Raptors earlier this year, he's also out. So that kind of depletes their depth a little bit. So they're a solid team, and, like, respect to them for being this good despite, like, a lot of injuries this year. But I just think that matchup is, like significantly easier even though the Raptors have played well against Philly like I still think Philly if they can put it together ever somehow um, they can be a dangerous opponent so I'd rather play the Pacers if um, if they do slide to six
1: yeah I can see the Pacers matchup going probably and maybe I'm being a little too optimistic but I can see that going max five whereas a 76ers series I could see go seven I don't think it's I mean sorry go six I don't think it'd go the full seven but um, I'd rather just have a five-game series, sort of keep our momentum going into the second round, whoever we face, and I it, it, if we finish as a three seed, it probably would be the Celtics. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I it's not that I'm scared of Philly. I just kind of want that easy first-round matchup.
0: Yeah, and I think Philly's size is gonna be like at the very least annoying to play against in the playoffs. Like it's just a lot of. Big players, like throwing Simmons in basically as a guard, and then like you've got Josh Richardson, like just a lot of um a lot of really tenacious defenders, and then Embiid, like if Embiid is ever able to put it together and like be healthy and be at the top of his game, then like you've got a real problem. Um, as good as Gasol's been against him. So like I wouldn't say like I'm worried about the Sixers, but like it's definitely a tougher matchup with, like, potential to um, give you some issues or at least, like, push it to a longer series.
1: Yeah, I can't see the Heat falling that low. I think nah, yeah, they, me neither. at best they'd be a three, at worst they'd be a four. But even at a four, say the 76ers jump the Pacers, uh, that's a matchup I'm keeping my eye on, the Heat versus 76ers, mm-hmm. because let's face it, the Heat have done pretty well against the Bucks all season. I'm pretty sure they're undefeated. Against the Bucks so far in the regular season, so if the Heat can like sort of skate by that, you know, mm. I, I I don't know that they do it handedly, but I think again a six game series isn't out of the realm of possibility with the Heat walking away from it, especially with Jimmy Butler there and how you know kind of clutch he is. A Heat Bucks matchup, give it to me all oh. day for round two.
0: Oh man, yeah, the Heat are two and zero oh, like you said against the Bucks this season. I'm like I'm still favoring the Bucks. Like I said, like I still think they're the favorite, but like. That is not a good matchup for them. Um, Bam is probably the best guy to guard uh, to guard Giannis in mm. the whole Eastern Conference, if not the whole league. So like, if somehow Miami pulls off that upset, um, if they can get out of the first round too, but if they pull off that upset against the Bucs, then like that's Raptors fans' dream, basically, right? To get to the conference finals and find you don't even have to play Milwaukee. But that's looking like way ahead.
1: Yeah, but still, it's fun to think that <laughs> you know because I do think Spolstra is a fantastic coach, right? However, you want to rank him or Nick Nurse, uh, that you can I, I I can see arguments for one being better than the other. I think they're sort of a wash. I think Spolstra's outstanding. Um, yeah, I think had,
0: Spolstra's. I think Spolster is better than Stevens or um, Budenholzer from the Bucks.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I feel the same <laughs> way. But if he sort of learned what Nick Nurse sort of schemed last year, it would not surprise me if they went box and one against the Bucks.
0: Oh, hmm. interesting. Yeah. And just like at least at the very least, like the formal wall kind of mentality against Giannis, just like just... With Bam being kind of the main guy, like the what Kawhi did last year, right? And then, um, and then just everyone else helping out, like having Jimmy Butler to guard Middleton, probably. Like that's that's a really tough matchup, just trying to score on those two guys. And then on the other end, like the Heat just bomb threes. They have all these annoying, like, annoying three-point shooters who came out of nowhere. Chris, uh. Chris Dunn and Duncan Robinson and then like even the Mars Leonard, Kelly Olenek, the Bucks give up like the most three point attempts in the league. So like that is a team that could exploit that flaw in their defense. Um, even though the Bucks usually like defend the three well, like if they if they do get if they do manage to create open shots, then like Milwaukee could have a problem.
1: So to wrap a bow on that conversation, you are confident that the Raptors are gonna walk away with the two. No way fans are but.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: Okay, all right, same here. I, I don't think we have anything to worry about. Again, if they play the um, the the magic round one, sure, <laughs> sure, whatever. Again, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't care if they have quote unquote home court advantage. I don't care. The Raptors will take that again, probably in five because they have problems with game one.
0: But whatever. <laughs> we'll we'll,
1: we'll yeah. What we can and if get.
0: if they play, then that's just sim the series. Just yeah. Like. Yeah, it's over.
1: <laughs> it's done. i am being impressed that they got to the 7th seed and not fell to the 8th, but, you know. Oh
0: yeah, honestly, like, the, like, just what happened to Brooklyn is kind of hilarious. Like, the whole situation. Like, I feel, obviously, not the virus situation, but just the fact that, like, the NBA didn't, like, switch up the bracket when they kind of thought about, like potentially moving the East around, like just to get like better low seeds in the East Mm. um, and giving those West teams a chance. And then literally like the worst, the worst thing that possibly could have happened to Brooklyn happened. And now they're just a shell of a team. So it was, it kind of blew up in that sense that like the NBA decided to go with the normal structure.
1: But next season could be a different story, but uh, let's not jump, yeah, let's not jump the gun. all right let's let's move on to our final segment uh we want to discuss the most notable games from the we the north era that we could think of now again i apologize in advance if we miss any i'm sure there are some that are going to be on the minds of people listening that you're listening to me talk and you're saying how could you not mention this game i'm sorry i'm sorry but these for me i have six written down the most notable we the north era games for me um I don't know how many you have, Lior, but we can go all of them if you want. It doesn't matter to me. So why don't you begin? I don't know if you want to go in chronological order. Mine has sort of jumped around, but I'll I'll let you uh, start this off, Get
0: Okay. I went with seven. I tried to get one from each season the team made the playoffs in like the Lowry era, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, the We the North era, and I tried to get one from each playoff run or a couple of the seasons didn't have the playoff games that I wanted to pick. So I went with, um, I mixed it up with like regular season playoffs. And then this season I included in that because like they did Hmm. make the playoffs, they did clinch the playoffs. So I started with 2014 game four at Brooklyn. Um, it was an 87 (laughs) to 79 win. You don't see scores like that much (laughs) anymore. And it was, uh, It was the one where Lowry had that kind of like sweeping hook shot over Kevin Garnett. Yes. Yeah. Um, And it was like the first road playoff win. I think that I think that the Raptors won like since I can remember watching basketball, (laughs) the first road playoff win they got. So that was a sweet win for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do remember watching that. And the gravity of that series was just so palpable. When it comes to to being a fan, because I don't know, man, like that was right when they were said, st- I don't want to say starting to find their groove, but they had a lot of momentum behind them. And the fan base was sort of starting to become more broad, I think at this point. And just having that sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say the army mentality, but that that support behind them. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, it, it was a devastating end, but it was a great series nonetheless.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what's your first?
1: My first would be uh, January 25th, 2014, Ross's, and I, I'm sorry, Jordan Kligman, if you're listening to this, but Terrence Ross's 51-point game. Even though Ooh. the Raptors lost, it was against the Clippers. Uh, I remember having on my fantasy basketball team. I uh, was like, yeah, <laughs> this is, this is going to help me a lot. It didn't. It just helped me in points and threes, and that was about it. But otherwise, <laughs> it was, that's it.
0: I, I think that's a, a, a notable game.
1: Yeah, that's I.
0: I didn't even think of that, one, but that's right up there. Um, I think I had a friend who went to that game, and he said Doc Rivers was like, uh, um, was complaining about some call to the ref, and my friend got like some really close tickets. Um, and Doc Rivers turned around and he asked my friend, and he's like, "That was a foul, wasn't it?" He <laughs> went straight to the cry. <laughs> he's like.
1: I mean, Um, if you're going to ask, then you got. if you want a second opinion.
0: I think when Doc Rivers asks you if it was something, you just say yes. Yes.
1: Yes, sir. (laughs) But you're wearing a Raptor shirt. Uh, Someone gave it to me, I guess. (laughs) Uh, What's your next one?
0: All right. So next one, um, the 2014-15 season. So this was when they got swapped by the Wizards. So Mm -hmm. I didn't pick any of those. So I went actually right from... Early in the season, it was November 5th at Boston. Um, a 110 107 win. This was the one where Lowry got that steal on Marcus Smart.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, he pushed the ball and, and he shoveled it back to DeMar for the M1 dunk to take the lead. And that was just, that was an iconic um, game of this era to me. Just the Lowry-DeRozan connection and that emphatic dunk and just the whole thing, like being in Boston, that's kind of been like, even though they never met in the playoffs, kind of a semi-rival or at least Raptors fans are kind of like, think of them as a rival because Boston's like always getting the media coverage and just to get that big win in Boston, I think was sweet.
1: Yeah, I I was just going to mention this. It's, it sort of gives you perception and how long this rivalry, quote unquote, or lack thereof, maybe just again, among Raptors fans, uh, how long this has been going on, right? And how much overdue a playoff, matchup to finally put that nail in the coffin needs to happen right and i do remember watching that obviously i'm 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 in the new england area and anytime you get to see uh, a toronto team beat a boston team especially in my circumstances i'm just <laughs> like bring it on bring it on and the the function and the the style in which they did it it's uh yeah i i cherish them all and i and i hate the losses <laughs> but i'll cherish all the wins I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Um my next one, again, I kinda wanna get the Terrence Rosses out of the way. And the losses <laughs> out of the way. But I do think this is something that gives Raptors fans just a slight level of like Raptors PTSD. Um, the Sacramento game, the buzzer beater that didn't oh. count, right? November twenty <laughs> first, two thousand sixteen, did it was it was cousins, right? Who did they say tipped it or didn't tip it? Yeah, like the inbound pass.
0: (laughs) I don't even want to remember it, so I'll leave the details to you.
1: Yeah, it was the it was the Demarcus Cousins. It was an inbound Mm -hmm. pass that Ross caught, and apparently the timer of the game messed up. Um, Yeah, he he didn't start the clock appropriately. I'm not sure of the nuances, but I remember watching that and thinking to myself can we it, what I don't understand how this is a loss because they had to talk about it for so long and when the when it went in people are like all right yeah we won this game and I remember watching it and I'm like okay we did it we we won but if, they took it away and I was just like what are we doing
0: <laughs> this is why this is why there's like a huge segment of Raptors fans that's like the NBA is against us, yes. the NBA is against us. <laughs> because like that was so absurd I think what should have happened was like at least they replay the second or whatever like however much was on the clock and yeah. instead they were just like we're calling it it's over yeah. It, was, yeah it was completely ridiculous oh man what's That's your next a, one did not expect that one to come up um, hey you got
1: you got to get the ones that people remember even though even if they hurt right
0: yeah yeah i tried to i tried to like avoid the hurt here but <laughs> <laughs> it's in the back of my mind now all the rest okay. are positive i promise Okay, okay. So um next one for me was 2016. Um In my opinion, like the most iconic or the most like memorable game for the Raptors, at least, of that playoff front was game seven versus Miami. Um 27-point win and just probably one of the best, arguably Lowry's best playoff game of his career. Like 35 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, four steals. And he was just, unbelievable um he was a plus 31 in a 27 point win and Miami was kind of running on their last legs like they had some injuries and they were playing small whatever but that was just when Lowry showed up like more than ever and he was really great in that series after the first two games so that was when I thought like the Lowry playoff choker narrative would have gone away and then it did not uh, (laughs) um for whatever reason but like Four years later, like that kind of I kind of looked back at that game as like, oh, this was when Lowry kind of should have ended any doubts about whether he can perform in the playoffs. And then um, everything since then has kind of shown that like he's like even in losses, like he's been a lot better and a lot more consistent, I think, since then.
1: Let me piggyback off that. But before I do, I do want to say that that is that entire playoff series. Um, it's that the, the whole chunk. So the Indiana, the Miami, and then Cleveland. Um, that's one of my favorite. If the Raptors didn't win the championship, that would be my favorite of all the postseason because that whole thing was like, okay, we've arrived. Especially at the end when we lost to Cleveland, but still on national TV, they're saying, let's go Raptors. And I think Doris was talking to LeBron and LeBron was like, yo, I need to, are you hearing this? <laughs> are you hearing the support from this crowd? It's amazing. And and that to me, that was one of the coolest Play, because the the Indiana and then the Miami went seven, right? And you're just mm-hmm. like I'm. I'm so on the edge of my seat for every game. And you're right that the the Lowry choker thing was sort of alive in the beginning. I, I think he played pretty well against Indiana, but then Miami, it was rough. But anyways, I had that uh, in the same series, the half court buzzer beater against the Heat in the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no <laughs> hope because. I was that the series that he like stayed late until 2 a.m. to practice. Yeah. So in game
0: one, I think either game one or game two, but game one was that half court shot. Um, it was and Lowry was yeah. awful in that game and then he hit the half court shot to tie the game. But then he was awful again in overtime and they yes. lost the game Yes. and then he was staying late. And that was probably like a low point for him and just in terms of his confidence, but then. Like, I think from game four on, he had at least one other 30-point game besides the game seven. So, like, he turned it around so drastically in that series. And um, I don't know what it was exactly, but, like, I remember his elbow was, swell- was swollen like crazy, at least um, after that game one. So, yeah, like, I'm glad he figured it out. But that is, like, memorable, just at least for the half-court shot.
1: Was that the We the South series when the Heat were passing out We the South t-shirts? <laughs> I it had to remember. have been, right? Because they haven't played them since, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I mean like unless um I mean Orlando definitely didn't do it. No, then, no like, they don't have I'm the balls. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like Washington's not far south enough, is it?
1: <laughs> so yeah, That's true. That's leaves, true. And definitely not five. Cleveland. So Yeah. <laughs> All right, what's your next one?
0: Okay. Um so I had game six at Milwaukee um twenty seventeen.
1: Okay. Yes, that's when the they won that, right? And Demar like tossed hmm. the ball up in the air to finish it. Yeah,
0: Demar had so they were up three in the final minute. I just rewatched the clip the other day, um, and Demar just drives and hammers it right on Giannis. Mm. Um, and this was kind of like Giannis's coming out series where he played really well, like he played all star superstar level, like trying kind of showing what he was at like age twenty one, I think. Um, but DeMar just dumped it right in his face. And I think he had like 32 or 33 points in that game. Um, and that was like just a huge clincher. And to clinch it on the road was nice after like all these game sevens um, to finally like put them away without letting it get to the last game and having to have that pressure of the game seven at home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do remember watching that and I, I I think that was when I realized that Milwaukee's crowd is legit. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. they 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 showed up in this. So um, that too was a fun play. well, not the end of it, but the, the <laughs> getting back there was great. Um, my next one's the same year, but it was a regular season game to me, my personal favorite Raptors game ever ever. Wow. March 21st, 2017, the Raptors broke the streak against the Chicago Bulls in the Husky jerseys. Oh my God. <laughs> I that is my that favorite game. game. It was the Lopez-Abaka scuffle. Oh, yes. <laughs> So good, dude. So good. That's my favorite game. Because I I remember Raptors fans, only Raptors fans could understand this. Because Chicago had beaten us like 10 games in a row. We it's couldn't dangerous. do it. And there was this huge hype for this game. And anybody outside of Raptors fanhood, even in Bulls fanhood, they're like, what are you talking about? And like, Raptors fans only understood the gravity of this game. So that was my, and plus, I love those Huskies jerseys. I really do oh um, yeah
0: they're so good they need, they need to use those like just have them as your alternate jerseys every year like I know those I are know. as good as any um, dinosaur jerseys in my opinion like they're those simple ones. yeah
1: but yeah I um, love that game I love that game
0: <laughs> just search like there was a headline after that I'm just looking it up right now just to revisit it um, there's a headline where Serge said Serge is just like I had to defend myself <laughs> <laughs> By like, that was his that was his quote so <laughs> and good. he just like threw three punches and missed on all of them. Yeah, Serge, Serge always <laughs> he always misses on his punches. Like at least get your money's worth if you're gonna get fine.
1: But still, he's he's still a bad bad man when he gets angry. But when oh, he's yeah. calm and nice, he's the sweetheart. But when he gets it's angry, so- I'm like oh man. <laughs>
0: It's so funny, like the contrast in his personality, like arguing about scarves versus with OG <laughs> versus like versus like full this. out like throwing punches at a seven foot guy. Like I, Serge, <laughs> you want to have Serge on your team. You don't want to be the one in the fight against
1: him <laughs> for sure. But yeah, by far my favorite Raptors game of all time.
0: Wow, I never would have thought of that one, but that is a great call.
1: Thanks, man. Good.
0: <laughs> okay um 2018 this might be this is up there with my favorite um regular season raptors games of all time um it was march 7th at oh Detroit. I, this is
1: mine too go ahead go <laughs>
0: <laughs> finally we have the same one honestly this is this is iconic um the so it was a 121 119 win in overtime um so i guess just Nearing the end of regulation, Demar takes it coast to coast, and then like you don't really know. Like I think Fred was spotting up in the left corner, and you don't really know what he's gonna do, what Demar's gonna do, and he just dunks it yes. on and he tall over. <laughs> like two This was the one where um, I think Mark Jones was calling it for ESPN, and he was like, Demar DeRozan dead in it. Yes, on Detroit. <laughs> the alliteration and it was just it was incredible and it was national tv um just like just this moment where like everyone was i mean i don't know if everyone was watching but like it was a big stage for the raptors and they were incredible this was like the 59 win season so they were 47 and 17 and um after this game and like they were number one in the east like clinched the playoffs as early as they ever did so like People were kind of questioning, like, are the Raptors legit? Yeah. And Kind of seeing this game on national TV. And um, DeMar had, like, 31 in the second half in overtime. So just, like, an amazing DeMar game. And probably probably more memorable to me than his, um, even than his 51 or 52-point game.
1: The black jerseys. And I think DeMar had these, like, red knee pads on or high socks or whatever, compression pants or whatever. I remember watching that and in the in- inbound. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, he's just going to go. He's, and <laughs> he's just gaining momentum, going, going. And he just cocks oh. back and jams it. And it's not just that. It was an and one. It's not just that. It's the Lowry after when he like yes. hugs him and he does that little like yes. skip to my Lou kind of picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that picture. Perfect. <laughs> that was, Perfect. And the overtime... Buzzer beater yeah. by Fred Van Vliet. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, I didn't even mention that. Like, I think that was probably one of Fred's, like, first national TV games. Um, and just spotting up, like, it was basically the same situation um, as the regulation one, except Damar drives it. and instead he kicks it off to Van Vliet and he hits the game winner with, like, a second left. So just, yeah, just all around, like, that game had so many great moments. And like you said, the Lowry... Like smiling and jumping up yes. to Demar, that was kind of it was the perfect like encapsulation of their relationship and like their friendship. Just like Lowry was so happy for Demar, and obviously just like getting the win too. But that was awesome.
1: It it was it's one of those games that you can look back on, and you can say to yourself, "Man, like if if only things were different when it came to you know Demar and the success of the team because." those are that's probably one of the last that i can think of like lowry demore moments right of that season because obviously like things changed after that but i remember watching that and just standing up in my chair and probably like tweeting a bunch of random letters just out of excitement <laughs> oh it was so good um yeah that was gonna be my next one so it, I'll, I'll let you go again go ahead
0: okay um so now i got to the my next one was from the championship run. Um okay. so my favorite game from the championship run was I mean there's so many to choose from and just that whole season, the regular season and playoffs like there are tons like you can pick whichever. But for me it was um game 6 versus Milwaukee.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Um the I guess just like yeah, just the the dunk, like the huge run, and then capped by the Kawhi dunk. I like how it was kind of it was kind of poetic in the symmetry to that Demar play we talked about earlier from mm. the Boston game five years earlier. Like just uh, Lowry with the steal and then pushing ahead and kicking it back to Kawhi for the monster dunk, and just like the whole the post game celebration. Like I thought was just the fact that it was at home made it a little more um, like. I don't want to say more special but like more exciting and like the Golden State one was a little bit anticlimactic just the way the game ended with like the buzzer went off and then they added like 0.9 seconds and it just it just kept getting dragged out whereas this one was just like a more clean finish a little bit and it was like this was always the goal for the Raptors to make the finals. So like this felt like a championship in itself, and they and the Lowry chance and just everything was perfect about that moment. So that was the most um, just the most memorable, the most special game in the playoffs for me.
1: Yeah, that legitimized it. I think at that point, I said to myself, "This is it's going to happen," like, especially because I at the time obviously given the state of Golden State. I wasn't necessarily worried about them, um, mm-hmm. but with Milwaukee, it it was sort of, it, it could have gone either way, right? And the fact that the yeah. Raptors were able to take that, I was like, all right, I'm super confident, no matter what, no matter what, going, uh, again, unless Kevin Durant was going to play fully healthy, <laughs> um, but besides that, which at that time wasn't necessarily a possibility, I was thinking, we got this, we're going to win this championship, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And- and I think a lot of people kind of, like, when the Bucs were up 2-0, kind of thought, like, you know, mm-hmm. Milwaukee's going to beat Golden State. Like, that was while Durant was still healthy. Like, Milwaukee looked incredible. Yeah. And the fact that the Raptors were able to rally back and beat that team that hadn't lost four straight in, like, two years to beat them four straight, like, that was unbelievable. And they were clicking on all cylinders. And, like, yeah, I agree. Like, that's when you kind of knew – um the Raptors are legit. Like the Raptors are going to win the finals. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing moment for me. Um, do you have a pick from the championship
1: run? Yeah, I do. But it was, uh, I have two. I'm going to save that one for later. I have a regular season game that I think is pretty important. If you're a Toronto Raptors fan, especially given the circumstances of the trade in 2018. Um, I got, so February 22nd 2019 Raptors versus Spurs. The Spurs come back oh. to Toronto. So DeMar's back and he has a pretty good game. I think it was a 34 point game. No, not even a 23 point game I'm looking. Um and obviously the hype was just it was there. That you could it, the the emotion him warming up, people were cheering for him. It was just one of those games that was must watch television for Toronto Raptors fans and you wanted to see Kyle Lowry and DeMar sort of reunite and have a moment, and you sort of assumed that DeMar would have been guarded by Kawhi and vice versa at the time, and you sort of wanted to see that dynamic. But all of that aside, it was the Kyle Lowry heel turn at the end of the game where he sort <laughs> of strips DeMar of the ball and be like, here, new best friend Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard <laughs> wins the game for him, and you see DeMar just on the floor be like, <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was it was like a movie but like yes. some weird some weird bizarre version because like the hero was like it was supposed to be the the protagonist was supposed to be kyle and DeVar, but kyle was just like it was uh, a heel uh, turn
1: it was we, yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it was really symbolic of like what this trade was and like and it's so weird to talk about it like that, because obviously they weren't thinking about that. Kyle no, was like, I no. need to get this steal. I need to win the game. Like, and But just the way it happened, and it had to be DeMar bringing the ball up by himself <laughs> no. and getting like, And the Spurs had a timeout. Like, got the timeout, DeMar. <laughs> I felt bad for him, but like, it was nice to see that reception at the beginning. And like they were cheering him every time he caught the ball. Like... I think it's, like, it's almost unheard of to see, like, a city's relationship with a player like that anymore um, dished with all the moves in free agency, and the fact that, like, Damar was the drafted kid and came here and played nine years and, like, was so beloved, um, it was cool to see him get his due, but then at the same time, like, that um, representation of, like, what the Kawhi trade was, and, like, this is why you pair Kawhi with Lowry, and what the team became so yeah that's that's another great choice
1: if it was any other player it had to be the tandem of those three maybe it'd be cool if Jakob puddle somehow got involved in this and be like <laughs> hey i'm still kind of here right? and sure that'd be fun but it it it's like these three you know people that will always have some sort of link to each other collide right at first it's Kawhi and Damar and then Kyle out of nowhere just like uh uh Damar we're no longer friends here you go new guy and it's just like oh, oh yeah no like next time just kick me in the balls
0: Kyle like that's how oh, I feel man. like Damar is feeling. I feel like Pertle could have come in and gone like <laughs> backpedaled and gone dunked on by Kawhi or something like that. No. <laughs> yeah
1: but he would have just been called for a foul just for touching the ball that's just how it works with the Aqua Pirtle <laughs> Do you have another one? Oh man
0: um, give your, give your pick from the playoffs that year first, and no. then I'll um give my last one.
1: All right. It's the shot. I know it, I know it's cliche and it's like, oh yeah, of course. But for me, it's, it's gotta be the shot because, you know, it's weird to me that that didn't win the Eastern Conference Finals. Like it feels like that should have been the Eastern Conference Finals, but it wasn't right. And the way that ended, you're just like, oh yeah, we still have another round to go. <laughs> and and you know, it's just, but the moment like that is, I feel like Toronto has two moments in sports that they'll never forget. And it's one of those self-identifying moments where it's the bat flip and the shot, right? And whether you mm-hmm. think one's more important or more impactful than the other is sort of irrelevant. It's just, those are moments in sports that you'll never forget ever, ever. And the gravity and where you were, where you were sitting, how you responded, the sound of it, everything. And to me, that's just one of the moments that, It's almost as good as winning the championship because it's just, I don't think that the Raptors really had that. Yeah, we talked about Lowry's buzzer beater against Miami, but that wasn't to send them to the next round. That was game one of that series, whereas this finished it. And it's one, I think even the NBA regards it as the best playoff buzzer beater ever.
0: Yeah, like it's... I can't, like, There's there's been a couple, there's been a few to win series, like, I think there was, like, um, like Stockton's in 1998 mm. to make the finals, but, like, it's hard to recall one that, like, not only to win the series, but then the team went on to win the championship, yeah. and, like, there's a couple game winners, but not at the buzzer, or like, just not the same kind of celebration, and the fact that it was at home, the fact that the crowd was just... So insane. And I remember going into work the next day at Starbucks and they had like the newspapers with the Toronto Star and that iconic photo with Lloyd next to Kawhi. Oh man. And it's like it, there was like a palpable like energy after that. And I think that really brought the run to the next level. Like like there was always packed Jurassic Parks and like everyone was already on the bandwagon or like the longtime Raptors fans already supporting the team like crazy like they always do but i think it went to a new level after that and that kind of got everyone to be like oh my god like who is this player and like how did the raptors get to this point and now suddenly like this was a really big deal and it and i remember we went on the podcast and we were like oh everything from here is uh is this gravy like it like, right after that game, like, we thought Kawhi was staying, and, like, yeah. <laughs> and we thought, and and it, it really did feel like a championship, though. Like, it had this feeling, like, how can you get a better moment than this? How and, like, in a way, yeah. it's not wrong. Um, But it did feel even better after it ended with a championship. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think, yeah, and I don't think Kawhi leaving changed any of that. It almost makes it, like, weird in a way, like, this was his only season, and that's what he did, so... Um, and it's just cool.
1: <laughs> do you think that in hindsight now that the, the gravity of that shot and what it means to Toronto Raptors fans would be less if they didn't win? Or do you think they'd still hold it in just as regard?
0: Ah, uh, that's a tough question, right? Um, cause like the bat flip is still held in like such a high regard, but then like, exactly, on the other yeah. hand, like if the Jays won the world series that year, like, does it go to a new level? Probably. Right. Um, So, yeah, like I don't think it would be quite the same level without the championship. Um, Just because, like, it made it, it made everything like satisfying. Like, he fulfilled everything you could possibly expect of him as a player and then like the team as well. Um, But like, it still would have been like an iconic moment. Um, I don't know about like statue worthy or anything if they hadn't won the championship, but now that they did, like people have been talking about it and I can't, I can't object to it.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right. Give us your last one.
0: Okay. Last one was from this year. Um, So there were a bunch of fun, regular season games. So many, I picked one that you actually already brought up. Um, the 30 point comeback for Dallas. It's gotta be, it's gotta be. (laughs) The funny thing is, I didn't see this game live, and I, I really neither hate that did I. Didn't I. See it. Neither oh, did man. I. So
1: you're in, we're in the same boat. I was watching my um, uh, my goddaughter's dance recital, and I oh, was wow. just checking my phone, and all of a sudden I see <laughs> Lowry. Lowry is like, "What's going on?" And so, good. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go oh, go
0: <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, so I went to work, and I saw the Raptors were down twenty, I think in the second quarter, yeah. um, and I was just like, oh man, I hate everything, <laughs> so, I or maybe, I think I saw maybe that they were up 10, but then, like, on my break, I checked and they were down 20, something like that, and they were down big, obviously, and then after my shift, I thought I was hallucinating or something, because I see, like, <laughs> like, they won this game, like, what? Um, and then I watched the replay once after, like, I watched on PBR or whatever and then they were showing replays of that game like this entire quarantine so I must have seen it like three times by now just with all the game just with all the time off from the NBA and live basketball and like just that entire fourth quarter is a masterpiece by that bench unit and by Lowry and it's kind of everything I love about this Raptors team just that never give up mentality and the fact that like any player can step up off the bench and just come in and provide energy and keep playing hard, even when they're down 30 and, um, and they managed to win the game. So it's really like, it's a Testament to everything this team was about. And it's really why it made the team such a joy to watch this year.
1: It's one of those games that if you see Kyle Lowry slander on Twitter, and there's a lot, there always is. I feel like a reasonable, person if if I'm said to that person hey you need to watch this game and if that person was reasonable and watched it I think they would say okay yeah no I get it I I get I get why he's he's great because it's not just the performance right the performance doesn't necessarily surprise me because I always thought Kyle Lowry was legit I always thought he was very very good and quite frankly underrated and I've always thought this I know this isn't the playoffs but I always thought the playoff Lowry uh, narrative was completely unfounded and baseless and sort of overblown. Um, I remember talking to my friend who was like, oh, he's chokes in the playoffs. And I read his playoff numbers and he was like, oh, it's not, it's not that bad. (laughs) But I, I, for me, it's, it's the aftermath. It's how he communicated to, uh, the, the post game scrum and said, it's not me. It's my team. My team did this. I didn't do much of anything. My team helped me. We pulled through. And it's that leadership mentality and that selflessness that's just like yep, that's my point guard right there that's him the greatest raptor of all time so i i agree with you how can you not admire that game
0: yeah it's so well said and just the fact that it was with bench players like yeah. the fact that like we've seen over and over again no matter basically no matter who you play lowry with like these lowry plus bench units they're always successful and i think it was Lowry, Terrence Davis, um, Malcolm Miller, Rondé (laughs) Hoss-Jefferson, and Chris Boucher. So we're talking about, like, none of these guys even played on opening night except Terrence Davis. Like, these were, like, borderline rotation players. And it just, it didn't matter. Like, those guys deserve the credit because they played really good defense. The full-court press was just, like... Incredible to watch. Like you never see that in the NBA. And another credit to Nick Nurse for like being so creative and out- and outside the box. Uh, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but just yeah, just the fact that Lowry can play with these guys and he's not like thinking, oh, like I'm too good to be on the floor with these guys. Like he's still playing hard, he's still taking charges, he's still hustling the way he always does. And like to me, that's like the best testament to his leadership so um yeah definitely one of my favorite games from the we the north era and really like ever with the raptors
1: one of those games I had to wrap a bow in it though it's one of those games that that point on i was like i don't care if they're down 15 with five minutes to go this team can win and that gave me confidence with every game that was otherwise we would look at as a blowout uh, uh, against the raptors right if i if another team was up 15 or 20 in the fourth with like five to, I don't know, two to five minutes left. I'm like, no, I think they can do it. I, I've seen it. I think they can do it. And so that gave me the confidence that this team structurally is a lot different than teams before in terms of their never say die attitude that sort of bled over from the championship season. So I agree. I think that to me is my favorite game this year for sure of the team. Absolutely. All right, well, that is going to do it for today's show. If you guys have not seen any of the earlier games that we were talking about, like around the 2014-15 mark, and you want to sort of revisit them, I encourage you that, to do that. I don't know how you can access it, that. I don't know if NBA TV still has them in their archive. I'm pretty sure that they do, but if they don't, I'm sure you can find a way to watch them. I encourage you to watch all of them, especially gearing up for the, for the resumption of the regular season. But, Lior, you know the deal. You can promote any and everything you've got going on where people can find you on Twitter. Dude, the floor is yours. Go ahead.
0: Uh, Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Lior Kozai. So that's L-I-O-R and K-O-Z or Z if we have any American listeners. uh, A-I. (laughs) And, yeah, um, I've been just kind of freelance writing, like blogging a little bit. Um, I wrote about... An episode of The Office recently and one about um, the basketball, the original basketball episode of Fresh Prince, which is kind of a classic um, both on Netflix as you might expect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And besides that, yeah, I think I'm gonna try to cover the team as much as I can once we get back, um, once we get back to games. So I'm excited for that. Um, Otherwise, yeah. Thanks for having me again and looking forward to real live basketball.
1: Same here, man. And you can find the links to everything mentioned in the description of the show. Highly encourage you guys to give leora a follow. If you haven't, probably have. But if in the event that you haven't, I highly encourage it. Uh, the the analysis, especially when you do those. This is how much I miss the regular season in live basketball. When you have the clips like immediately after and you sort of break it down, it's, it's fantastic. So I hope you still do that when the season resumes. And uh, again, if uh, if you want to get in touch with them again, hop on Twitter, give them a follow. But, dude, I'm sure we'll do this again. And uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, man.